Hey guys, Tom Laird, voice of advice from a call center geek, CEO at Expedia. Hey, the podcast is brought to you by Expedia Interaction Marketing. We are a 600-seat call center outsourcer. I would love to talk to any of you looking to outsource any of your customer support or your sales functions, looking for political calling or, or just some extra overflow during the holiday season. If you are looking for any type of USA outsourcing support, hit me up. You guys know my LinkedIn. I'd love to talk. This is Advice from a Call Center Geek, a weekly podcast with a focus on all things call center. We'll cover it all from call center operations, hiring, culture, technology, and education. We're here to give you actionable items to improve the quality of yours and your customers' experience. This is an evolving industry with creative minds and ambitious people like this guy. Not only is his passion call center operations, but he's our host. He's the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group and the call center geek himself, Tom Laird. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another, this is, I think, our fourth or fifth uh, AMA that we've done, our, our Advice from a Call Center Geek Happy Hour. Um, super excited. I mean, literally, I mean, James, you're kind of a legend in my eye, in my, my contact center, customer experience world. When I started going to shows, you were, you know, you, you did a lot of, you're doing your, I don't want to say your act because that's not giving it credit, right? But uh, yeah, you were doing your what thing doing. as a <laughs> as a keynote guy, and, and you know, I, I've always kind of really respected what you do and and, and the the value that I think you give your community as well. So, just love the that we were able to do this, and and great to have you here, and, and hopefully we can answer some questions and have some fun doing it. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to this. Thank you for the kind words; they were far too kind. But thank you. <laughs> And uh, yeah, this is going to be good fun. Looking forward to this. So before, I mean, before anybody kind of, as, as people are kind of filing in here, I, I want to hear what you're doing. What are you doing this year? I mean, what 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 shows are you doing? What, uh, you know, how has that been going? Um, how has COVID kind of affected what your speaking has been doing as well? I mean, <laughs> COVID wasn't too kind to the in-person. <laughs> no. Especially internet, probably international travel wasn't good. The whole thing. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with COVID, I just managed to find new and interesting ways to do virtual keynotes. Because, of course, like for the people that don't know, my in-person keynote is musical. It's a musical keynote. Yeah. I had a music career in the past. Talk about customer experience, customer service through the lens of music. It's really good fun. It doesn't really translate very well through Zoom. So, um, yeah, I had to find new and interesting ways to get the messages across and like luckily I've, I've managed to do that so i've been doing lots of virtual stuff i've got a new talk called hyper fandom which is talking about extreme fans because there's like, like we all know about fandoms but there are some fans that sit at the extreme end of fandom. Yeah. i call them hyper fans now the reason i call them hyper fans is because super fans was taken and i wanted my own <laughs> thing that's very that's that's good i like it yeah but um, I, th- I think you you even see it too and again i don't i don't want this to sound weird but there's still like when we're posting content too there, there's always those those kind of individuals as well that are that seem really really engaged with it now that's on the small end i mean that's not for a brand right but you you even see it kind of in that micro versus that that macro world yeah yeah definitely um, i think you, you don't have to be a musician or a film star or anything that to create fans people that follow there's um in the in the music world there's this idea of a thousand true fans that if as a music artist you can get a thousand true fans 
that will buy stuff off you worth a hundred dollars or pounds a year, you set, you good. And so there's there's plenty of music artists out there making like really good livings that we've never heard of because they only care about their thousand true fans. So yeah, you, you you don't have to be Metallica to to have hyper fans. I mean, it yeah, does right. happen, but. And James, I think too, you know, what we're seeing, and again, I know you and I kind of, not that we have differing opinions, but, you know, we, we kind of talk and jest about NFTs and kind of, you yeah, know, yeah. that whole thing. But I, I think the, even outside of the NFT, but this Web3 space is really based on community building. And I think you're going to see brands like really start to focus on that. Like there was loyalty programs and there were some things, but I I think it's, it's turning into a, almost its own strategy in itself where, where you're really trying to build community around brands um, to do some, some kind of unique things. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's a really interesting concept. The thing is, it's going to be difficult for a lot of brands, especially ones that have been around forever because they, they're trying to put forward this like authentic message, but like, but they're also trying to be cool at the same time. Right, 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 right. But they're like, hey, join this 200-year-old bank. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Skateboard, NFTs, what, what, what? And it's, it's, yeah. it's like, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit. No, not really. So I, th- I, think it, I think it depends on the type of customers. And, of course, like pretty much all companies, customers are going to be getting – well, they're not going to be getting younger. They're going to – well, yeah, they are. I mean, they're, they're going to be moving back in generations. Yeah. So, like needs and mindsets and habits and lifestyles and values and behaviors and all that fun stuff is going to be shifting. But yeah, um, I think this idea of community building is really quite interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, and I am going to try to do. I think you know we've had with with our podcast with advice from a call center geek. There's been such a really cool. You know, and again, it's a it's as niche as you can get, right? Like if you're listening to my stuff, you are uh, you're a call center geek nerd. You're in the industry. You're working. You're you're not just some yeah, yeah. you know random person. So I think that that helps build that because it's it's such a smaller group of people that um, you can yeah. really add some value. So to do some type of even even a community NFT project for these guys that we're going to be launching in in July, just thirty. You, totally you free. About that. You, yeah. Yeah, it's it's we're gonna do a, a thirty I, because I wanted to do fifty, but I don't think that I could service it enough with with my time. So we're gonna do thirty um, thirty tokens. We're gonna drop them. They're gonna be totally free. Um, so the only thing that anybody would have to pay would be would be the gas fee, which would be probably twenty bucks, something like that. Um, and basically, they're they're kind of like access tokens, right? So. Um, talking to to me so you know 15 minutes every quarter for anything that you you want to talk about with your contact center with your call center um you know 30 minute training with your team we can talk about anything from engagement to you know, supervisor training to um, hiring to any anything that you're you're kind of the niche of that that you want i i call it like a fire alarm right if if, if shit is going wrong and you like i need to talk to somebody right now and i have a question and right my my customer support for my telephony platform like I, what, what can I do? Like I, there's a once a year, uh, like I'll answer your, your call. Like, no, at, at no matter what hour kind of thing. Yeah. So little things like that, that we're trying to build. And then there's gear, right? Like we, we've never really given away gear from like sweatshirts and things like that, that I, I don't want to, I mean, I'm not trying to make money off that. So I want to make it more 
more cool, right? Like only yeah. those people are going to get it. Um, well, did, did you know about my clothes? I say clothing brand. It's not a clothing brand, but like the, you can you can get rock star. Yeah, and yeah, that mate. That was genius because people paid me to advertise my company. It was, it was great. I didn't. It's all print on demand though, so the margins are so so. It, it's, I make, tiny. I, I make literally no money. In fact, right now, it's costing me money just to host it. But it's um, it's a cool, it's a cool thing to do. It's um, it, I think it's something like tr- treating our brands like actual brands is right. the way to go, and it's something you don't see very much in the corporate world. It's um. And, and especially like in the trainer consultant space, like, I don't know, like people like, oh yeah, that that type of brand, that's that's not for us. We've got to have a, a corporate. And I fell into that trap for years and years, man. When I first went into the corporate world, I was, I thought there was a particular way you had to be in the corporate world to, you know, do well and succeed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it made me miserable. It, I mean, it made me money, but it also made me it also made me miserable. Um, so I think branching out a little bit and just i don't know just trying to do things a little bit differently and a little bit like more edgy and a bit cooler and not everything's going to work the amount of things that i tried over the years it just didn't work like nobody knows about them because they didn't work it's great it work yeah it's fantastic um but yeah i, I think that's it's, it's a cool idea man like trying to and, I, and I think it's it's what you're interested in right just like what you're saying too it's kind of doing things to your personality, right? Doing things to where you're like, I'm really interested in that space. Like it, it does interest me. And, and it's a cool way of branching my passion for what I'm doing with my, my contact center and, and working for brands and, and doing customer support with kind of this new thing that I'm, I don't know enough about, but I want to learn a ton. Like I can't get enough of it. So yeah. to be able to branch those and hopefully add value to, you know, my small community as well. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked for that. I think it, uh, I think it'll be fun and, and hopefully it, it adds a ton of value to, to those. That's been the main thing. I mean, I mean, getting outside of this customer experience kind of realm like that, that's really all. And, and I know you as well. Um, I mean, I post, I don't post at all asking for money, asking for business, asking, I mean, yeah. just really trying to, to add value to a community and then to, to kind of have them kind of do the same. And I think it's, it's been like this, this cycle, and I think you could see that happening with with big with bigger brands, or there, there's there's a niche to that that can happen yeah. from a from the customer experience. And I think it's more customer experience now than it is we're talking service, right? Yeah. Um, to really find that loyalty to to what's happening now in the in the market, it's different. It's different, yeah. and I think it's super cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. Like for me, it's it's a complete mindset shift. So I I've been exactly the same. Um, uh, 99% of the activity I do is about adding value, like have value. Here you go, value, 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 value. So that that 1% where I'm like, hey, do you want to do this thing where you might have to pay some money? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, and I, because I, of course, like, so I say I'm out the game. I'm not out the game now because, like, I'm working for Pega Systems, amazing customer, uh, it's a customer service call center technology. If you want to talk about that, hit me up, but that's not what this is about. Um, but when, back when I was doing it, I knew that again, 99.9% of the people that were consuming. That's a solid plug, by the way. Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, like 99.9% of the people that were consuming and getting value from my content were never going to financially benefit me. Right. But, but that wasn't the point. I had to really have a big mindset shift and realizing that the, the money isn't the goal. The money's the reward. 
right? Helping the community is the goal. Mm-hmm. And if you focus on that goal, the money will look after itself. It, that's sense. yeah. And it's, it's not focused. It, it is that mindset shift. The money is the reward for achieving the goal. The money isn't the goal. So, um, and I think that there are going to be companies now that start thinking like that because of course, like you got companies making like hundreds of millions of dollars. Yep. Really, how much more money do you need? Now, don't get me wrong; I'm not socialist or anything. Yeah, but, right. Oh, right. But, I know. I get it. How much more money do you really need? Surely, it gets to the point where you're like, oh, we can just do cool stuff now. We've got so much money. Let's just do cool things and really change the world. But I think we are seeing that that corner turning, and we're seeing more and more customers resonate with those kinds of brands brands that are just like you know what like putting purpose above profits yeah no absolutely and i i think you, you there's a shift that almost worldwide um with with kind of how people are thinking hey i have another question for you can can you i don't know just kind of talk about you know i know you do a lot of consulting as well outside of the keynotes and outside of the speaking um you know when you kind of you know, I've seen like, you know, when, when people like graduate from your the classes that you give, right, they have like, you know, the like people are proud. It's super cool. Like, I love that. Yeah. Can you talk about those classes? Talk about some of the things that you 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 discuss in there. Um, we do have a couple questions coming in, but let's let's get nice. to that. And then then we can start talking about some some of the questions that are coming in. Yeah. So the, the training that still exists and people can still go and get that online. It's the accredited customer experience specialist training. It's, and it's basically I just saw a bit of a gap in the market of a more practical training um, to teach people a customer experience methodology that they can actually implement that is practical, that will help them improve a customer experience from start to finish. Um, A lot of the training out there was quite theoretical, which is good. It's good to have a a theoretical basis, but then you go back to work and you go, what, what do I, what do I do? So I was like, you know what, there, there could be something else. And the, the method that gets taught in the training is the SCO method. It's the successful customer outcome method. And again, it's, it's the exact same mindset. If you focus on delivering a successful customer outcome, the successful business outcomes will kind of look after themselves. But if you're focusing too much on the, the business outcomes, which usually is profit, you're not going to deliver those successful customer outcomes and it's going to be negative overall. So the, the successful customer outcome method is essentially – the world's best tools and techniques for improving customer experience put together in a replicable and scalable methodology. And it's all starting with the customer, understanding who the customer is, understanding them at a really deep personal level, understanding their lifestyles, their benefits, their values, their influences, understanding their real needs, really crystallizing a a phrase, like a mission for that customer. What is their successful customer outcome? Then once you've got that, you work backwards to the experience because that's the thing that companies do wrong. They start with the experience or they start with the technology. They start where they are and think, oh, okay, how can we improve a little bit? How can we improve a little bit? To to achieve the customer experience, like, legendary status of companies out there that we talk about all the time, you don't get that by looking at what you've already got and making it a little bit better. You get right. that starting with the customer and thinking, well, what does the customer need? And then how do we deliver it? So that's, that's what that is. You can uh, acxs.co.uk. You can go and check that out if you want. Yeah. No, very cool. Hey, and you got a little – I mean, Eric, uh, I have talked to before. He was at uh, Call Center Week uh, nice. last time, and he just kind of, um, you know, just I think wanted to give a little bit of a shout-out, but, you know, in, in talking about kind of probably 
echoing kind of the, the things that we're talking about where, you know, brands need to, f- to find cooler ways to meet customers, you know, where Great. they truly want to be met. You know, and I think from the specifically from from the, the hardcore micro call center side, right, you're, you're starting to see, I mean, we are we have invested a ton in, into our digital space. Right. So, you know, we're starting to see customers voice is still king, but, you know, chat had it's it's it's, it's important. Yeah. Um, but we're you know, we're seeing Facebook, we're seeing Twitter, we're seeing TikTok, we're seeing all of these digital channels where customers are now at that now they're responding to customers. You know, we we're starting Expedia Digital again, not to get back into this NFT Web3 thing, but there's a service model that is absolutely lacking um, when you're looking at like a discord and, you know, a, a company might have 50 million or 75 million dollars that they're putting into this project. Right. We call them NFT projects, but really they're NFT businesses mm. when they're doing when they're done right. And they still just have, uh, you know, maybe some some guys that have, you know, hey, I'll, I'll give I'll, I'll do between 12 and five that are just kind of volunteering for their service um, where, where people can go in there, and really trash the project or, or have questions that aren't getting answered. So, you know, I think that there is a there's a new digital way and a, a new way where customers are, are not just going to be calling us, but to be a little bit more proactive and then yeah. to, to kind of see them in spaces that we're not we're not used to seeing them over the really the past 20, 30 years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for anyone that's watching this right now, like anyone that's a call center or contact center leader, you're gonna know very well that things have evolved, customers have evolved, needs have evolved. We know that it's, we don't need to keep going over that. But of course, we keep adding these new channels like oh well, we need to be able to talk to customers over Twitter, we need to be able to talk to customers over WhatsApp the apple one apple business thing yep. <laughs> facebook one yeah no, there'll, right, be, right, there'll right. be a tiktok one soon i guarantee there'll be a tiktok one soon you heard it yeah. here first um but they, they just will but of course what we're doing is you're having to find like point solutions and like tacking on different capabilities onto your tech stack that was never created to deal with that and it's it's just causing chaos for a lot of people it's like peggy did some research before more especially after covid there are more people than ever willing to try self-service and, and different routes. But the problem is we just don't trust it's going to work because it very rarely works. So we, We're not we good at it. Yeah, we're, we're we not. We don't yeah. trust it's going to work. And the problem is other crappy companies. You might be the best company in the world at it, but if I've done it with 10 other crappy companies I'm, and then I get to <laughs> yours and you're like, hey, so I call up and you're there begging me, please yeah. do it on the website, please. And it, I'm like, well, I don't really, I just don't trust it's going to work. So it's, there's, there's a big gap there at the moment. Um, and it, tr- see, trust is an interesting one. And th- this is one we can maybe talk about a little bit more, of course, with NFTs and blockchain technology that can help out with that. But the way I think about trust, I think of like total trust, and it's in two different areas. It's meaning well and doing well. So... Does a company mean well? Do they do they want to do the right thing? And can they actually do it? They're two very separate things. The way to think about it is like, so my daughter, um, if we do a trust fall exercise, right? Yeah. She, she, she doesn't hesitate. She'll fall back because she knows, A, I want to catch her, and B, I'm capable of catching her. If we were to switch places, right, I'm going to hesitate a little bit because – I know that A, she wants to catch me, but B, is she capable? Well, she's three, so, so 
Probably. Right, that's not going to look good, right? Yeah, and it's it, there's there's a big part of that, and I think trust is something we don't really talk about yeah. enough. In like we don't we look at we look at customers' behaviour and we don't understand why they behave in particular ways, and we're like customers shouldn't be behaving this way; they should be be behaving that way. Customers are going to behave in whatever way they behave. That's just the way that it goes. You don't really get to have too much say in that, but. A, a lot of the way that customers behave is based on trust, whether they trust that you're actually going to do the right thing by them, that you want to do the right thing, whether they trust you're actually capable of doing the things that you say you're going to do. So there you go. Yeah. And I think I, I, that's a really good point because we are a lot of brands say it, but don't, don't really even want to do it. Right. They're not putting the effort in to do it. Um, that, that's a, and Eric just kind of had a little, a follow-up too. Yeah. Um, you know, they're now introducing video down a lot of their digital social media spaces where the cool is, but doesn't quite fit the appropriate business communication best practices. Um, Eric, I would probably disagree with you on that. Um, I don't know what he does. So I don't know. What, what does Eric do? What, what? So I, Eric has, we have talked a couple of times. Eric was actually at call center week. He saw you. Um, he's been, a, he's kind of been a fan of the, of the podcast as well. Um, I think though, Eric, you, you know, it it doesn't matter if you think it's business appropriate communication, especially if that's where your customers at. Um, again, we have been doing, I would say, the last twenty four months, pre, even pre COVID, um, every RFP we have now, right, from every brand that we're getting has some type of digital aspect, right? So, um, some type of integration that we need to do with with where they're on a Facebook, Twitter. Um, and I think it's just, it's just kind of communicating how they want. I think that we fall that we fall into that a lot where we're trying to communicate like your credit union, right? Um, you're a bank, you're financial. So you have to have this certain decorum. And I think that's, that's, that's true, right? That you're still trying to, to, to have your brand, you know, in a, in a certain way, but understand what type of customers you have too, right? If you have a, if most of your customers are 18 to 24, maybe there's something a little bit different that you can do. And you're also probably going to see them on those digital channels a little bit more. See, a cool, um, a cool way video could work with that is, so you've got, you've got all your different channels to get in touch. You've got email, you've got chat bots, you've got, the, you've got all the others. All right. Imagine if your customer could send in a video saying, hey, I need to change the date of this payment or I need to change my address to this or I need just what, whatever. Right, but you could authenticate them from the video. So there's there's loads of um, companies at the moment that are using like video yeah. authentication to authenticate you are the actual person. That'd be super easy if you could just like pop open the app, got a request, hey, do this thing. It authenticates that it's you because of your face. Unless yep. you're in Texas, because <laughs> you can't do like haven't Texas just banned the face recognition stuff. Like they they banned all like the, the Instagram filters and, and everyone's screwed well, not everyone's a certain subset. Of yeah, them. yeah, yeah. I know. Where are you in the world? I forget. I'm in I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay, that's nowhere near Texas. So, it's, anyway, it's um, you can still use Instagram filters. Don't worry, mate. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like pop open your phone. You say, "Hey, I'm moving house. I need this is my new address." Done. But then imagine if that was automated. Like you don't need a manual person sat at the end of it. 
it it automatically recognizes you. It goes, yep, that's James. And then it automatically uses um, natural language processing to know what you've said, know what you mean, know the request. You automate the case opening, the work gets done. It automates an email back saying, or whatever. You get a push notification, a TikTok, whatever, right. saying it's done. Don't worry. That's um, that's the future, man. That's that's where we're going to be getting to. Pay yeah, and I, and I don't think you're. I don't think you're face thing. But the, the I don't think stuff. you're wrong. Um, there's there's from that automation standpoint, even even from what we can do now from authentication, right? Like literally. Um, you know, voice and now getting to face um, that stuff's here now. Um, it's that, it's that back end experience. I think we still stink at as an industry. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, there's very, very few experiences that we found that someone's like, God, that chatbot experience was awesome. Like I want to go, you're right. I want to go back to, to, to do that. So I, it's coming and we're getting better at it. And every year it's getting better, but and now I'm going to get a ton of tweets and a ton of stuff from all the chatbot guys and the the AI guys that still beat me up every every time that I, I talk about this stuff. But again, I'm not naive enough to say it's not coming. It is. The, it's the just, thing is, it's, it's not there yet. the way the way I look at it, and the, and the way we look at it at Pega is it's quite difficult because again, you've added these different functionalities over time. You've added all these different channels. And then of course you've got all, so you've got all your systems in the back end that have to do the stuff. And then you've got all the channels that get the information to tell the systems to do the stuff. And then you've got to like connect them all together. Right. You've got to piece them to try and make some sort of coherent thing. But what it means is, is if I call in to do something, then I have to stop. And then I go onto the chat bar and there's no connected experience. It doesn't know who I am. It doesn't know what I'm trying. I had this exact thing the other day, trying to send some money um, from my bank, tried to start doing it on the app. It wouldn't work. So then I had to call up. They had no idea who I was or why I was calling in. So we've got all in. And of course, then you, you sort of house the logic and the rules in the different channels. And then, Every time you need to make a change, it's like, oh, my God, we've got to change it here, here, here. And it right, just right. things get messed up. So, I mean, this isn't a Pega plug. But what Pega do is we've got a center out technology. So we stick a brain right in the middle of that. And the brain holds the logic and the brain makes the decisions and the brain does the case management. And it, it works so that if you need to make a change, for example, you make it one time. In Pega, mm-hmm. low code, in Pega, and then right. it automatically reflects everywhere. And if you start on WhatsApp and then move to Twitter and then do an email and then call in, it, it follows you, it knows you and the context of it everywhere along the journey. Um, and it's that's that's not the future. That's possible today. Yet yeah, 99% of companies, not 99% of companies because we've got loads of customers, but right. like loads, of, loads of companies don't do that. They don't um, – it, it's because there's so much sunk cost in all their legacy systems. And, like, as a leader, you're there like, oh, this doesn't work. It doesn't do what I need to do. We keep having to, like, add extra little bits of code and trying to, like, make these things work and talk together, and it doesn't. And then we've had to buy this other bit of, oh, but now we need a chat bot, so we've got to go and do that thing. And sunk cost, sunk cost, money, 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 money. And, of course, like, you can't just rip and replace it. You probably would love to. But no, no one's going to sign that off. You know, you're going to be like, yeah. right, 
You know, you know this hundred million dollars we've spent over the last five years on this stuff that doesn't work. Can we just scrap it all and start again? They're not going to say that. So, and it's it's super difficult to for customer service leaders to battle that. They're battling that every day, and of course, it makes it super difficult for the agents because they're having to deal with forty eight different screens while they're doing yeah. stuff. They don't know Nothing where anything is. They're moving about. They're trying to deal with the person on the phone. Their mind's full of what they're trying to move. Oh, where's it? Oh, he's asking me this. I've got to find the knowledge. And it's just them. Um, <laughs> there, there is a there is a better way. And it's not just Pega. There's other companies that do it. They're not as good as Pega, but, they, but there are other companies that do it as well. But it's just – it's – so it's it's not unique. That's the only silver lining about this is it's not unique. And as people- how do you, James? Let me let me ask you this to kind of maybe bridge that. How do you bridge what you do on your consulting side when you're you're talking to kind of humans on the customer experience? And and I get it that you're talking more probably a little bit more. And I've been using micro macro a lot here, but more on the the bigger picture to how the technology comes in and affects that customer experience as well. Do you see them as totally separate? Do you see them as as you know, riding together. How do you kind of justify the human versus the well, it where we so are I now? Don't really forward. consult anymore. Um, okay, but it's the the role I sort of play is more in the inspiration space, like inspiring, uh, just talking to people about this stuff and just like looking at things in different ways. And basically, that's that's my job. I just talk about this stuff to people. That's that's all I do. Yeah, um, you're pretty good. You're a pretty good communicator. I'll give you that. I'm all right. <laughs> um, it really depends there is the like the correct answer which is when it comes to technology customer experience should never be led by the technology it's, the technology should always be led by the customer experience you should always start with the customer experience and work backwards towards the technology Steve Jobs said that and he was pretty clever so we should probably yeah. pay attention to that right. but it's, it's not looking at technology and going oh what's this fancy thing we can try and put in there or it, it's it, it's the complete wrong way around. Start with the customers, work backwards to the technology to make sure the technology is in place to deliver the experience that needs to be delivered to deliver those successful customer outcomes. That's that's the correct answer. However, the situation I was just talking about when you're a customer service leader or contact center leader and you're in just an absolute mess because yeah. things are on fire, nothing's working together, your agents are pissed off. Your customers are pissed off. Your, your customer satisfaction is going down. Your customers are leading, leaving. Your agents are churning like mad. They just go. Me coming along and going, start with the customer experience and work backwards to the technique. Right. They're like, okay, yeah, thanks, James. That's fantastic. However, everything's on fire. <laughs> so yeah, right. There's the, the other way to look at it is using using technology that sort of turbocharges the stuff you've already got because again it's you can't replace it you're not going to get tens of millions of dollars signed off to replace some people will fantastic but a lot of people won't um you're not going to be able to replace your agent desktop you're not going to be able it's it's just not going to happen um so find finding technology that can help sort of renew wrap and renew what you've got and make it all work together 
Um, there's plenty of really good technologies that can take an agent desktop, take their 40 million different screens they have to work on, and put it together into one single window that yep. they can work on. Yep. Fantastic. That's that's a relatively easy thing you can do that makes something slightly less on fire. That's good. Um, there's things like Pega case management where you can put the brain in the middle that will deal with the cases and push it push it out to um, the channels and the systems and make sure everything's working together. That's a relatively easy thing you can do to stop things being on fire so much. And again, there's, there's like the idealistic view of how it should be done. And if you had a blank sheet of paper, that is the way you do it. But then there's the realistic practical view of you've just got to find ways of making what you've got work and unfortunately, a lot of times is more technology. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a, I mean, that's a plus for the outsourcing side too. I mean, that's kind of one of our big, you know, selling points, right? Is you know, hey, you have all this technology. I get it. It's not working for you. You're going to have to make some big investments here, or you know, let us take you know 50 of your agents. Let's kind of show you what we can do because our stuff's good, right? Like we've, we're. I mean, my job is to get the, the greatest, latest technology, figure out how to use it, how to figure out how to get an ROI, but how to make the customer experience with it just top notch. Yeah. Um, and then reports and analytics on, on, on top of that. So to be able to come out of, we're kind of like the clean slate, right? Like you're talking about where the, if we could just start over, what would we do? Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the benefits. Hey, another question. And I want to hear your answer to this too. And um. So this is kind of because I, I think you're you're going to kind of see the, the the really big picture here, but like you know the 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 really bad rep industries, right? The the cables, the airlines, those guys. Yeah. Um, you know, what, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, if you were kind of put into the CEO of of Delta Airlines or United and said, "Hey, listen, our number one," the board comes to you and says, "Our number one thing is to fix our our customer experience." Listen, this is this is probably not just a quick answer here. Uh, but but what are you know what are some of the things that you you would look at? Um, I mean, it, it could be a quick answer, and the quick answer would be is just get the basics right. Yeah, because they don't, and that's it's it's not always about wowing customers. It's not always about delivering brilliant, memorable yep. moments. Sometimes it's just about doing the stuff you say you're going to do. Answer the phone, yeah, and just do it consistently. And that's the I I love boring companies and this is going to sound crazy but companies that don't surprise me i don't like being surprised by companies but good surprises okay fun, great fantastic i'd much rather have consistent experience i'd rather know exactly what i'm going to get every time without fail um the one i always go back to on this is mcdonald's just I don't, people are always like, oh, you need to create emotion in your experience. You need to um, wow customers wow. and deliver. Right. No, you don't. A lot of times you just need to do things. Most experiences and interactions with companies we have are transactional. Just do the thing. Just do it. Like, yep. don't run before you can walk. Most companies can't walk and they're trying to do this fancy stuff. Oh no! It's just um, the way I look at it is that there is two, there is two types of experience. You've got transactional and, and emotional. So transactional experience is you go and buy a Big Mac at McDonald's. Yep. Do it. There are other experiences that are more emotional. So, for instance, um, 
claiming on a relative's life insurance policy. That's an emotional experience that you're not going to just go and automate. You're not just going to put like a, a kiosk <laughs> there and be like, <laughs> like right, right, right. Press the buttons <laughs> and the, a check comes out of the thing. Um, but the thing is, if you get the transactional stuff right and you automate it and you make it quick and as easy and as fast as possible, then it frees up loads of time to spend on the things that need that human touch, the things that actually are going to build relationships. So the question about how much over the top should you go, in those trades there, none, zero over the top at all, just baseline meet expectations. People always say you've got to exceed customer expectations every time. That's dumb. That's stupid. That's not a sustainable strategy at all. Because as soon as you exceed an expectation, it becomes the expectation. And look, at the end of the day, expectations aren't set by you anymore. They're set by every other company that's better than you. They're basically, they're essentially set by Amazon. And I think to your, to your point, I think exceeding expectations for some of these would be just meeting the Kind of the status quo, right? Exactly. I mean, we we do we have clients right now that just like you know, hey, get them their answer, fix that. Let's move. That's what, and, and that's almost the demographic of the customer too, right? They don't want the the <laughs> whatever you want to call exceeding on on this specific type of call. They want just their question, their issue answered. Thank you very much, and I'm moving on. And that's a ten for them. Yeah. Um, so I think you're right. There's a there is a big disconnect between the fluffy what we think. And what the actual reality of, of what service is, depending on the industry and, and and depending on the type of brand that you're working with. Yeah. And the thing is, it does depend on the customer. There are always going to be customers that want every experience to be an emotional one. They're weird, but they exist. So you've got to deal with it. Technology can help with that. But it's like when I call up to do a thing and they're trying to build rapport with me, I'm like, just, I'm, right. I don't say this to them. Right. But in my head... I'm like, can you, can you just? Well, sometimes the- it's fake rapport, right? Like the, hey, how are you doing? Like you know that they're 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 biding time as they're pulling your your account and they're just trying to make the chit chat, right? The how's your day going? Like that's fine, but it's still if people are saying that that's exceeding expectations, right? It's like that forced. I'm sorry, right? I can't, like I talk to my reps about that fake empathy mm-hmm. of of really just trying to like you know talk through what the, what they're actually they're sorry for, not just like oh I'm sorry like that repeated just fake kind of empathy that we kind of go through that, <laughs> that on the check on the, on the scorecard looks great. Right. On the, on there, but really in the reality, say this too. The one cool thing I think you can do from an exceeding is if you do understand the brand, like we have some really kind of young and hip retail companies that we can talk to a customer like you and be like, Hey, what's up, James? Uh, hey, you know, that's all, oh, this is a really cool item that you got. Like we can use, that type of almost branding for the brand, right? Yeah. And then obviously we have some credit unions and some other things that were a little bit more stoic, but I think you can kind of match customers as well. And that kind of, I think is, it does a little bit more than kind of your fake, I'm sorry's. Yeah. So there was a guy I used to work with and he was, he, he was an expert on football. When I say football, I mean the type that you play with your feet, the actual right. football, <laughs> you guys call soccer incorrectly. They, they, when they kick whatever. the ball, right? They, yeah. But um, he knew everything. So he would ask people on the phone, oh, are you, are you into sports? Are you a football fan? They'd go, yeah. he said, oh, what team do you support? And they'd say, and he'd, he would go, oh, me too. No matter what the team was. That's right. Go, that's awesome. I like that. Too. And it, because he knew everything about 
football. Yeah. He was a bit obsessed. He, ju- he just talked to them about that. That was, I mean, if it was bad when they were like, are you a football fan? And they're like, no. And he was like, oh, <laughs> I got nothing. I'm going to transfer you to someone else. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that was interesting. I'm not suggesting everyone do that. I'm just, it's just a funny story I'm telling. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. Uh, here, Eric, Eric can kind of hop back on here. And, you know, what is your recommendation to be a rock star on a video chat? Um, best practices, what the reps should look like, how, how do they use the background? Um, I'll let you go first here, uh, James. Let me get that out of the, I don't, I don't know. know. I, yeah. I'm not sure. It's a hard one because it, dep- it depends on like the, especially with so many working from home at the moment. I I don't really know. This I don't know if I'm bought into this whole video thing. But again, it's it's a difficult one because if I'm calling in to change my address and I'm using change. So when I first joined Pega, there's a guy called Andy, Andy Mutlow, if you're watching, how's it going? Um, and every demo he would give was change of address. And I'm like, dude, that's so boring. Why are you just, why are you doing change of it? I've just moved house and now I understand because it is, in my head, the simplest thing in the world. Yeah. You change a bunch of letters in a system to a bunch of other ones, letters and numbers to other letters and numbers. So that's essentially all it is. Difficulty. Why am I telling you this? Um, Yeah. So if if I'm calling up, right, I need to change my um, address. And they're like, hey, dude, why don't we video chat? I'm like, no, man, just just change it. Oh, yeah, let's do a video call. No, no. Just right. Can you just, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm bought into that yet. Um, however, I did have one before where my um, internet was playing up. Dude, I was on the phone with, he was like, right, we're going to do a video thing. I'm going to look at the connection. And it was like through my phone, there was a thing, a, a like little website, a URL I typed in, and it connected to what he was doing. And he could see through my phone, I could show him. He's, he's like, show me this wire, show me that yep. wire. That's a good way of doing it. Whether it whether we're going to be sitting there on Zoom with age, I don't know. I don't know if I'm maybe I'm a boomer. I'm not, but maybe yeah. I'm a. But I don't. I don't know if I'm about. That. I mean, I don't know if I'm if I'm going to answer this as well. But I mean, I I think you know if you were a credit union, like I don't know. I I my credit union here in Erie, like I my drive through is video, right? Like I drive up, the little video thing is there, and I'm. I mean, I could see that just kind of being. You know, really how it is. I think it's it's kind of brand specific. I I thought a lot about this in like 2011 when video wasn't around. Yeah. And I would have been totally wrong because I went kind of over the top with everything with branded backgrounds. And and, and, and to be honest, I think COVID threw that all out the window. Yeah. And everyone is super comfortable now with just, I mean, look at us. I mean, I just, I'm sitting in a, kind of a little conference room. You have that and we're, it's, it's, it's a nothing. It's not even real. This is vinyl. <laughs> oh, it's your right. Okay, got it. <laughs> but um, there is a part of me that thinks so. The, the video thing it does help build trust. If you can see a person's face and you can see how they're, I mean, I feel bad for the agents who usually would be sat there going, <laughs> "Yes, sir. Yes, uh, <laughs> they won't be able to do that anymore." Okay, but. It does build trust, and it's it's something I talk about actually in one of my keynotes. That the way we build relationships is through proximity, so how close we can get to another person. So that's evolutionarily through time. That's how we 
Um, there's a guy called Edward T. Hall. He wrote a book in 1966. Um, I forget what it's called. Something like The Hidden Dimension, which is like a super heavy metal name. So it's something like that. Um, and he he wrote this book, and it was it was looking at how proximity creates relationships. And there's different zones. Um, I can't remember them all, but the, the one where you build the biggest relationships is your personal space, which is like one and a half foot or less. Mm-hmm. That's, that's your intimate zone. So, of course, as time and technology has evolved, we've kind of all worked to try and circumvent that, to build relationships in different ways without having to have somebody stood right next to us, whether it's you know sending ravens and pigeons and right. smoke signals leaving messages on cave walls, sending letters, radio, film, and TV. You've and- evolved that nice, James. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. All those things. I like it. Yeah. But then the internet came along. And yeah. what it meant is you got to think before. I'm watching a movie and I'm seeing a film star. And I'm building a relationship with that film star. I'm seeing them over and over again, and I'm watching their interviews, and I'm seeing them on a video screen, and I'm seeing them. And it feels like they're there with me, and I'm building this relationship. But they've got no idea who I am. Mm -hmm. Because of the internet and the way it's evolved, we're now building these reciprocal relationships with people that were untouchable before. And that's what's creating this hyper fandom, this next level of fandom and it's because of an inter like we can sit here now and as far as my subconscious is concerned we're in the same room right my subconscious isn't going well you're halfway around the world in a different time zone on a different continent my subconscious doesn't know those things it just it knows that we are together and i'm looking you are within my intimate space right now and so it means that we can build very real and very reciprocal relationships with people from all over the world that we've never met that aren't even on the same continent as us, yeah. people that we, we may never meet in real life. And if companies can use that to their advantage, then maybe they can. Building those relationships, being able to you know sit there with someone on the screen and have your subconscious think, okay, we are together, we are having this conversation. Maybe, I don't know, going off on a bit of a tangent. Yeah, no, I like it. But, but there, there's some, there could be some. And, and I think you know you saw that. You know, the, the last bridge was, and again, I keep talking Web 2, Web 3, but when Web 2 and social media really came into play, right, that was kind of the start of, you know, you being able to reach out to, a say, a superstar, right, and be able to actually have an interaction there. Um, and now it's, I think it has built to what you're talking about, too, with, with video and how comfortable we are with that. Um, it is, it's almost like our brains are changing, like our brains are evolving, right, like almost right before our eyes in the last, you know, five, ten years. I agree. Interesting. Interesting. Eric, thanks. That was, I don't know if we answered your question, but, uh, <laughs> but I think that was some really, I mean, that was some interesting stuff and at least it kind of got a springboarded on, on a little bit, uh, a little bit of dialogue. So, um, Hey, so are you, are you going to call center week in, in June? What is nope. your, not nope. okay. Sorry. Do you have any other uh, any other plans? Are you going to any other shows? Are you doing anything this year yet, or is it still kind of up in the air? With yeah, it's a, it's a bit up in the air right now. But um, one thing I did want to talk to you about is right. Have you seen this new trend of AI artwork? It's got nothing to do with any. But have you seen it? It's, it's um, something you may have seen. Yes, I I have. But uh, but can continue on. What where you where do you want to go with that? 
don't know, just, it's, yes. oh, it's cool. Have you seen uh, it? It's yeah. cool. I mean, th- there's been a lot with that, right? So, so from the AI artwork and then also doing things. And again, I know I keep, <laughs> I keep going back to this NFT thing, but these generative art projects that are using AI as well, where basically they have algorithms that they're learning and they're programmed with an algorithm and, and you type in a word like James or Tom or McDonald's, right? And it starts to, to use the letters that you're using to create this kind of really cool art that's one on that's one to one, right? There's only there'll only be one of them because of the algorithm. So the, I think that stuff's really cool. I get into huge arguments on arguments, not arguments, but discussions. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking for somebody. I'm kind of an I'm not an anti AI guy because I, if you're an anti AI guy, you're you're <laughs> you're you're not with with the realm of of where everything is at. I believe in it. I think it's going to absolutely, it's starting to evolve everything that we're doing. Not naive to that. It's really starting to help the agents, right? From an analytics standpoint, from agent assist, from all these other tools that it's starting to to utilize. Um, I don't think we're there yet when it comes to, you know, the natural language processing and being able to take over for an agent. Um, So these, I'll I'll come back to that. Okay. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I'd love to see some demo or something where, uh, I could ask it, you know, 50 different questions and it's not going to, it's going to be treating me like a, like a good human being, a good customer and it understands me. But, um, you know, this, this whole evolution of blockchain, right. And this is where I get into arguments because nobody believes me and maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but we'll be changing how, especially how my reps, right. And I think that's maybe how I'm, I'm putting how my reps are going to have to be servicing customers. Right. So, in the next year or two, you're going to start to see all your sports tickets um, from, you know, we're big Steeler fans here. They're talking about it. Uh, Browns, um, any major league baseball, soccer or football, depending on where you are. Um, the tickets are going to be NFTs. Right. And that's going to be kind of I think the first thing that people are going to a lot of people are going to interact with them and like, oh, my gosh. And I think that's going to be almost a springboard because that's that's in our general consciousness of of, of society as a whole. And having now our reps to start to understand different terminology, where things are at, how to do things maybe on the blockchain, how to look for certain things that you weren't going to have to do before, yeah. I think is really interesting. I think it's coming quicker than we think, almost quicker than the AI piece. Um, and people, I'm probably in the absolute minority with that. Uh, but I think it's 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 such an interesting time um, for that and in, in, in really for, for where the blockchain is as well. But I'd love to hear your... Love to hear your AI. Well, I mean, Pega have got a thing called Voice AI, which is wicked. It is the coolest thing. So I call in, and I'm going to change my address. So I say, oh, I need to change my address. It listens, opens the case. So I'm the agent. I'm sat there. I've done nothing. <laughs> I'm doing nothing right. as the agent. So it's like a, it's like a co-pilot. Yes. Like an Iron Man. It's Jarvis. Yeah. And so the agent's like, okay, what's your new address? I say it. Voice AI listens and populates the fields, right? So, again, I'm not typing it in because, of course, it's most of the errors are from manual yeah. input, so it's getting rid of errors. As the agent, I've just got to look at the screen and go, is that what they said? Yes, yes, yes. Then I ask a question, oh, um, um, is my car going to be covered at my new address or is there an extra thing? It hears that I'm saying that, brings up a knowledge article. 
Mm-hmm. So pinging that in front of you. So it's not completely taking over itself, but it's like augmenting the agent's experience. I think, James, what you're what you're talking about is that's where obviously where I have seen that right. Agent assist is probably the number one. Like I had the guys from Balto on. Um, and you know, they're, they're working in that space. Uh, yeah. level AI is actually coming on the podcast next week, um, which will be really, really interesting. And they're kind of working in that, that same space. Um, I think it is interesting, right? Real time transcription, right? Where, you know, the AI or the bot or the program or whatever you want to call it is actually looking at the words that are coming and then deciding what the best Avenue for the agent is. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that is really powerful. And I think that's where you see it, right? It's it's in the support of the agent right now. But, I mean, it's not a big reach to say, hey, that's going to be taking that over at, at some point. Um, but yeah. it's it's kind of – it is really cool, the technology that is out there with that stuff now. Yeah. And it's like even though things like, of course, like calculating the next best action, like making yeah. decisions, looking at who this person is, looking at the situation, the context of the thing, popping up, oh, maybe do this thing next, do that thing next. The wrap up at the end of the call as well, like automatically automating the wrap up because the AI knows what's happening. It, mate, it's um, it's a game changer. For, yeah. while, while we are still using human agents, it's probably one of the best gifts you can give them, something like that, because it allows them to be present with the customer. Like they're not having to do a million things at once and they can actually, you know, you've got someone on the phone, right? They want to get stuff done as quickly as possible. You're not having to fill time with the, Oh, so how's your day while I'm flicking between or, or the dreaded. Yeah. And I just put you on hold because I got to go and, do a thing um right. it can even like do escalations if it's if it's listening and thinks oh this call's going badly sentiment hearing the customer's voice it, it, there's just so much cool stuff it can do and just yeah. give just giving your agents a bit of a break so that they're not having the burden of doing all of that stuff it's just better for everyone it's better for your agents better for your customers it makes the calls happen a lot quicker so it's better for your bottom line yeah Win, win, win. Yeah, no, that's I, I, I'm excited for those types of things too. I think it's it's more, and, and you're going to tell me it's not, but I think it's a little bit more difficult for um, in the BPO space, right? Because just dealing with, um, and, and that's kind of what I've talked to those guys. But I'm not making excuses because, to be honest, I think Balta, like most of their their clients, are are BPO, so they're doing it. Uh, but it's just, you know, to, to wrap my head around setting that up for 30 or 40 different clients, or you probably wouldn't, you probably set it up for your maybe top three or something like that uh, from a volume standpoint. Yeah. So th- there's a lot that I'm thinking about too, but you can see kind of my head's going right now too, right? Of, And again, it's, it's any technology that a BPO gets, we need to find, we need to have an ROI on it. Right. So I know that that may sound selfish, but um, I mean, that's the bottom line is we want to make sure that the experience is, is top notch. Um, but if there's if there's I don't want to just slap something on to slap something on. There needs to be a real you know, improvement to the customer from an ROI standpoint. And that's that's kind of the stuff that I sometimes struggle with, too, of of what piece of technology um, should we get? Because there's it's, it's kind of pick or choose now because there's so many different ways you can go from pre-call to agent assist to analytics, helping the customer and, and, and kind of seeing sentiment scores and then your NPS and your CSAT and then tying an analytics to that. There's a ton, ton to it. So it's, it's cool, 
but you really got to really map some of this stuff out to see, you know, what's the best for you and then for the customer from, from our, at least in my industry. Yeah. No, I actually agree with that. Thanks buddy. I appreciate you. <laughs> well, any, Hey, do you have a, do you have anything else before we kind of wrap this up? We're kind of heading over to the, uh, the top of the hour. I, I'm glad we could do this. We got to do it again. Um, there's a lot of fun. We can, we can do a lot. Maybe we'll do a happy hour at the, the next one and, and bring some people on here too and, and have a couple of beers and kind of talk shop. But I think we're just talking about really anything we want to talk about, which I think is, is a cool format with this. Yeah, man. That'd be good. I would count me in. You've heard um, it and then just, I know most people have, but just if this, we're going to obviously chop this up and this will be posted over and over again. So if you want to, can you just throw out your, uh, any of your social stuff or anything, if people can hit you up on, um like to do that yeah so linkedin it's james dodkins it's my name twitter at j dodkins instagram at the cx rockstar tiktok i got a tiktok i looked i looked the other day i've got hundreds of how many how many you got what videos no how many how many followers you have oh like two i think you're one of them (laughs) we just started it listen i have 207 so I'm not, <laughs> I have nothing. We literally just started what, like three weeks ago, but we're um, posting like three to four a day. So we're trying. So I, oh no, I've got 41 followers. Okay. Nice. Um, and yeah, I've po- posted. Like, Dude, you have so much it. cool content. I think you could blow that up if you really wanted to. Uh, I don't know. Cause I started posting before I thought, all right, I'm going to get ahead of the curve and I'm going to start posting on TikTok. And then, so yeah. if customer experience people end up on there, then yeah. you're, you're the stuff. But no, I think I don't think it works. Like, like you can, I've got, oh, I mean, the camera's over there. Yeah. Yeah, that looks cool. So many videos on there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> nobody. Um, well, not yet. I think I think it's coming, right? Look at Instagram, right? That was for photographers when it first started, True. and now every brand is on there. Facebook was for college kids, and now it's for your grandmother. Like you have no idea how these these bad boys are going to evolve. So that that's my thought process with it. So we're we're giving it our damnedest too. So sweet. Well, I, all right, buddy. You have a great weekend. Now. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. All right, we'll talk.